Amen. I want to show a video in just a moment, a powerful video that will really, really challenge you. Um, I, I want to talk this morning about purpose. Now, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible that most of us know and have heard and have quoted is Romans 8, 28. And we use it for a lot of things, but there's so much power in this verse that says, and we know that all things, all things, amen. How many know that in life we have to come to the realization that there, this, this just goes right off of Wednesday night when I was talking about storms. We don't understand storms, why they come or how they come, although we, we went into some reasons sometimes. But we need to get to a place of trust in God that we say, Lord, all things, all things work together for good, the Bible says, to those who love God. How many know that if we love God with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength, he will work everything out. Amen? He will work every situation out for our good. And it says, to those who are called according to his purpose. To his purpose. Now I'm going to get in this morning about what our purpose is, so we'll know that because if we don't have a purpose, we don't have anything. Purpose is what keeps us going. But one of the reasons sometimes we don't fulfill our purpose is because we like to make excuses. How many are good at excuses in here? Amen? Even if you didn't raise your hand, we're all pretty good at them. Sometimes we make them without even recognizing them, amen? Without even realizing them. And we, 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 uh, we get tired and we get... Um, week and we get to a place where we say well I, I can't do this or I can't do that uh, just recently heard in one of our pastors uh, just hearing crazy excuses you know that you, you just go what really it wasn't me but really that's the reason you're not coming to church how many know that we can make up excuses all day long amen and the devil will put some good ones in our ears but we need to be in the house of God and we need to serve God every day, and we need to have a reason why. So I'm going to show you a video that will eliminate every excuse that you could possibly have to not fulfill God's purpose for your life. I'm reading a book, and I'm going to throw this in right now, uh, that I've been talking about called Why Some Churches Are Blessed. And I was mentioning this to, to my wife the other day. And, you know, when you're serving in the ministry, and if you've been in the, in serving at all in any capacity in church for any time at all, you know that there's struggles and you know that there's things that happen and you know there's battles and you know there's storms like we talked about Wednesday. And uh, sometimes as a pastor, you know, you have those days where, like I said, you know, you get 15 calls in one day, I'm not going to be there. Or you hear a, a lame excuse for not coming to church or you see somebody somewhere else uh, instead of church or whatever. There's many things that happen in, in, in church and pastoring and you get frustrated or you see somebody fall. You see someone backslide. You see somebody, uh, you know, going back to the world. There's many, many things. And so you can get to a place where you start thinking, man, this is tough. But when that happens, you read about somebody else. I'm reading in this book about this pastor who took a church, and it was a pretty large church. In the first three months he took it, 400 people left. 400 people left the church in the first three months that he took it. Had to be quite a few, minutes, few people, but 400 people left. How many know that would make you want to quit if 400 people left the church, right? And, and, and that wasn't all. Come to find out, and just paraphrasing, they, 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 he had a, a witch come to the church and show up and say, there's 12 of us in this city, and we want you dead. That's a good meeting, right? 
Now, we want you dead. So we're praying, we're praying to Satan against you, and we're doing all kinds of things, and we want you and your family dead. Windows were shot up in the church as the same pastor. Uh, one day they went and, and uh, put, a, put an explosive to his car at night while he was gone on a revival, and they tried to blow up his, his house. Now, the car blew up and just was destroyed and caught on fire, but they were trying to blow the house up. And uh, thank God it didn't happen. Then none of them died. But how many know those are some major problems, amen? So when I read that, I start thinking, my gosh, an attitude here or there or a bad excuse, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't got no problems at all. This is awesome, man. I told Carla, thank God for these little tiny problems, amen? You just got to read about somebody else who's having some real struggles. And then you go, okay, this is not so bad. So if you ever make an excuse and you're not fulfilling your purpose, just watch this. When you're in school, when you're growing up in life, it actually sort of matters to people how you look. And then it matters to you because it matters to others. And the fear that we have is that we're going to be alone. That we're not good enough. And you know, we have to change ourselves. And, you know, so many people put me down and say, Nick, you look too weird and no one's really offended. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And I couldn't change anything. It's not like just fixing my hair one day and everything's fine. I couldn't change my circumstance. I couldn't just one day wake up and say, hey, give me arms and legs. I need arms and legs. It was so hard because people put me down. And I started believing that I was not good enough. I started believing that I was a failure. That I'd never ever be somebody who people would like or people would accept. And it was so hard, man. I thought to myself, I, you know, I can't go on, the, go on the soccer field like everybody else. And I can't ride my bike and I can't skateboard and all these sort of things. And I started getting depressed. I thought, what kind of purpose do I have to live? I mean, do you, are you just here to live to die? I mean, is there not a purpose for me? Is there not a purpose in life? And I had questions and no answers. And I asked my mom and dad, why did this happen? I asked doctors, why did this happen? And they, they don't know. There are some things in life that are out of your control that you can't change and you've got to live with. The choice that we have, though, is either to give up or keep on going. I want to ask you, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe in yourself? Are you going to believe everybody else's judgment on you? How did I get from depressed to who I am today? Because I tell you, I was depressed. When I was age eight, I used to concentrate on the things I didn't have. I wish I had arms and legs and I wish I could do this. But what can I do? You see, I have a choice. I can either be angry for not having arms and legs or be thankful for my chicken drumstick. And I'm traveling around the world. It, it's, it's amazing. But I had to ask myself a couple questions. And the first question was really, who am I? Who am I? I'm Nick Vujicic, but who is that? Because there's nothing good about having no limbs. But I love my life. Do you want to know why? Because I've seen the purpose. When you see me for the first time, many of you felt sorry for me. Do you feel sorry for me anymore? No. Why? Because you know who I am. But don't you remember I have no arms and no legs? Would you want to be my friend? Amen. Heart is what's now. How many have got an excuse? Amen. There's no excuse when you look at something like that.
So next time you get depressed and bummed for whatever it is, just go YouTube Nick Vujicic. V-U-J-I-C-I-C. Amen? And then just watch his video and you'll feel better. Like I can do anything. Amen? That's, that's what you see where a man, and now he didn't mention here, just in case you didn't know, he is a born-again believer. He's an evangelist. He's a preacher. This is probably a video he shows in schools, so he couldn't mention Jesus. But he goes all around the world, and I remember I saw him many, many years ago, and I've, I've, he just changed my life when I saw him. I, I saw him speak the first time laying on his stomach, and I, it was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. I thought, my God, and he was born like that. And he has now, he's married and has, has his second child on the way. I mean, what a miracle, amen? What an amazing, there's nothing that that man has not done. So we sit there sometimes and go, oh, I can't do this, I'm tired. Shame on us And when we say we're tired, amen? I bet he's real tired just getting out of bed, <laughs> amen, with no arms and no legs. So I don't say that to make you feel bad. I say that to get you to realize we need to stop making excuses, amen? And we need to live if you're taking notes, live your life with purpose. Luke chapter 5, go, go there if you would this morning. I want to show you some principles this morning about living your life with purpose. If you don't have a purpose this morning, you don't have a life. You don't have a life this morning. You say, I'm living, but I'm not, I don't have a life. You say, I want a life, you need purpose then. If you don't have a purpose, you're not living. Because until you find your purpose in life, you don't have a real reason to get up in the morning. You know, I think as we get to Luke chapter 5 of somebody like Michael Jordan, is there any person in here this morning does not know that name? Michael Jordan. Doesn't matter what country you're from. Doesn't matter if you like sports or not. Every person in the world knows that name, Michael Jordan. And the reason is because he was an athlete who did amazing, crazy, amazing things. But did you know that Michael Jordan today, he's 53 or 55 or something like that, lives very, very sad and very at, and not at peace in his life. He has said that over and over again. Um, he has over a billion dollars. He's broken tons of NBA records. He's won six NBA titles. He has all kinds of scoring titles. Ten out of his 14 years, he was the best scorer in the league. And uh, he is absolutely, in his words, not as much as what I'm going to say, but close, he's miserable. He's not at peace. He says, I found out that after basketball, I cannot find peace in life without basketball. So he, some would say, man, he fulfilled his purpose, but the problem is his purpose was only basketball. And then once basketball is over, then what? I was reading this morning about, you know, Jimmy Johnson, who was a coach in the 90s with the Cowboys, and he coached Miami before that. I never knew this about him, but I, I found out this morning that when he was in college, it, let me, back, let me go backwards. He, he ended up obviously winning uh, two, two, two Super Bowls with the, with the Cowboys and um, took them from pretty much nothing to something, they would say, in the early 90s. And um, he fulfilled what he would have thought was his purpose because he was a coach his entire life. Coached at Miami, won a national championship. But, you know, I found out this morning, I read this, and it just blew me away. When he was in college, coaching college, he got married and had kids for his job simply for his job he knew that to be a college coach he had to be married and have kids and to be respected and to be accepted as soon as he got the cowboys job he dumped his kids and dumped his wife most people don't know that isn't it crazy what people will do to fulfill their purpose their purpose amen so you begin to think about people who have fulfilled things outside really of the word of god and outside of the purpose of god 
it's, it's in vain. Look at somebody like Solomon, who had everything that money could buy, everything that riches could give, every bit of wisdom somebody could have, and he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. So what am I going to say so we move forward? You're thinking here as we talk about purpose, automatically your mind can go to a career and it can go to a business and it can go to a lot of things and there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with a career. There's nothing wrong with a business. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do something with your life. What I just want you to understand is that your ultimate purpose, the purpose number one in your life needs to be God. Because if it's not, all the other stuff is sinking sand. And I could give you many, many other examples, like Michael Jordan and like Jimmy Johnson, that when it's all said and done and it's all over and they've reached the climax of physical ability and finances, I mean, think about it. What, could, what has Jordan not done? What can Jordan not have? The one thing that he really wants, which is peace. And he can't buy it. He can't buy peace. You can't buy love. You can't buy acceptance. And so you've you got to understand this morning that the real purpose that we have this morning and the real joy that you're going to have in your life is to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And asked him to put out a little, pull out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and who part, were partners with Simon. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, because from now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. See, God can give us success physically, financially, maritally, every area of our lives but if we're not fulfilling what god wants us to do for our lives we'll never be fully happy never but on the other hand you can be fulfilling god's plan for your life and purpose and a lot of things on the other side can be missing and you can be happy can i say that again just in case that went over somebody's head you could have a perfect marriage, you could have a perfect job, you could have lots of money in the bank, you could have the car you want to drive, you could have all the relationships in the world that you, you could have everything going for you, and you could not be fulfilling God's purpose for your life, and you could be miserable. 
But on the other hand, you can be having struggles in your marriage. And I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm saying you can be having struggles or justification, struggles in your marriage. You could have no money in the bank. You could be looking for a job. You could have no friends. You could have all kinds of things going wrong. But you could have the understanding of what God's purpose is for your life and be completely 100% fulfilled and happy because God's purpose is the ultimate goal. Amen? Now, I'm not taking away from that. I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't have a great marriage. All those are, of course. But understand that the only thing that's truly going to make you happy is understanding and fulfilling God's purpose. Now, a lot of times in, in, in church and in the ministry, we get it twisted because we, we see visibly things in the church and we think that that is the purpose that God has for me alone for example we can say well if I'm on the praise team or if I preach or if I teach Sunday school or if I'm an usher or if I do something physically visible in the church then I'm fulfilling God's purpose and there's a great truth to that there's a lot of things that need to be done those things need to be done without those things we can't have a service like this but don't get it twisted the ultimate purpose just to make this clear and simple this morning the ultimate purpose that God has for your life is that you affect other people about Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate purpose. If you're like, you know, just make it simple for me. Okay, I'll make it simple for you. Your life makes people want Jesus. That's the ultimate purpose that Jesus has for your life. However you do that and however way it goes around that that happens is how God begins to show you how, like we see here with the fishing, but the ultimate purpose is that your life multiplies other people's lives and that they not only see Jesus in you, but they want Jesus that's in you and they get Jesus that's in you. And if you are touching other people's lives that way, you are fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. And we see that right here. He says, hey, you're doing a great job fishing, but let me teach you how to do it better. Here's an example uh, of some, some workers. I, I've used this example many times. It's a simple one. Some work, city workers, and I won't go into the joke of how many were working, amen, because we know how that works. Usually people are standing around watching. They were given the job to dig holes. And so as they were digging holes, everybody's digging holes, and they did this day after day, and they would come to work, and they would dig holes, and then after they dug them, they, they said, fill them back up again. And so for days and upon weeks, they did this. Every day, they'd go dig holes, they'd say, dig over there, and then they'd, they'd, they'd dig, and then the supervisor would come over and say, okay, fill that hole, and they kept doing this, and, and, the, and they realized, man, this, this, is, this is whack, this is not good, I don't, what are we doing? Finally said, chief, what are we doing? What are we digging for? They needed a purpose. The digging was just digging, but what were they digging for? So the chief came along and said, well, the city has lost the plans for the water lines. So we're looking for them. Now, all of a sudden, the next day, they were still doing the same thing, but now they knew what they were digging for. And all of a sudden, they found the water lines really quick because if you're just sitting there digging holes and you don't know what you're digging for, you're never going to find anything because you don't know what your purpose is. So a lot of times as Christians, we're digging holes and we're filling them back up. We come to church, we dig a hole, we fill it back up. We worship, we fill a hole, we, we dig a hole, we fill it back up. We, we sing, we give our tithes, we do all these things, and those are great things. And they're digging holes and we're, filling, we're working, but we don't really know why we're working. The ultimate goal of everything we do is to make Jesus known. Go back to verse 4 there. When he had stopped speaking, he said, Simon, launch your net out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. 
They'd always been fishermen. They'd always known how to fish. How come all of a sudden they lay their fish, their, their nets back down and catch something? Because now they had a purpose. Jesus showed them the purpose for their lives, and they knew what to do, but they needed some direction. How many, how many in your walks with God this morning, you've learned kind of generally what to do, but sometimes you need some direction? That's what church is for. That's what leadership is for. That's what sermons are for. That's what coming together is for and Bible studies are for. We, we kind of know the general idea, but sometimes I need someone to give me some direction. I was telling somebody one time, I've used this example over the years. I, I use a lot of sports examples when I'm doing discipleship especially. But I was telling a guy, I said, look, you have what it takes to be a, a preacher. You have what it takes to be a pastor. But just pay attention. I said, if I tell you something, if I come, and what I'm going to do as your coach is I'm going to come and you're, you, let's say you're a quarterback. You're throwing that ball. Everybody knows at least what the quarterback does, okay? He grabs the ball and he throws it. And I said, you just keep throwing the ball. I said, you know how to throw the ball. But if I ever come to you and grab your arm and move it a little bit or push it up a little bit or pull it down a little bit, I'm not telling you you're not a quarterback. I'm just telling you a better way to throw it. That's what a pastor does in someone's life. That's what someone does, leadership does in someone's life. I'm not telling you what you don't already know. We're giving you some direction. Now try it like this. How many know that those who, who make more baskets learn the, the technique to throw that ball through the net? Everybody can pick up a ball and throw it. Somebody can come in. There was times when I was playing, just not even too long ago, a few months or a year ago, I was playing at a court and, and for, just for pickup for fun. And one of the guys who plays there was watching me shoot. And he came over and he said, man, you're a great shooter. He said, but you're not, you're not grabbing the ball when you shoot it and you're not putting it in a good position to shoot. He says, yeah, he says, I know you know that. And I had gotten away from playing professionally for so long and all that and doing things right that I had stopped grabbing the ball correctly. And I just listened to him real quick, and, and I was making shots, but all of a sudden it was like bam, 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 because I was grabbing the ball right like I knew what to do, but I had forgotten. So sometimes we need someone to come into our life and say, hey, you're doing it right, but just switch it this way a little bit. Ch change the angle a little bit. And that's what Jesus did with his disciples. How many know that Paul, in the Bible, especially when we see in Acts 9 his conversion, he was doing what he knew to do. He had a purpose. Saul, let's call him Saul, not even Paul. Saul had a purpose. He woke up every morning zealous for God. He loved God. You can't, take, you can't say Paul, Saul did not love God. Saul loved God. He was zealous for God. He had a, he had a purpose, and his purpose was just misdirected. Because he woke up every day, instead of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was killing the Christians that were serving Jesus Christ. So he had a love for God, but he needed some direction. Here's the problem. Saul was on the wrong team. How many know you can be on the wrong team, amen? You got to be on the right team. You could be doing the right thing, but if you're on the wrong team, you're not going to win. Proverbs 16. Let's look at this real quick. I'm going to give you a few more verses if you just keep your Bibles moving, taking notes. Proverbs 16, verse 1. Give me an amen when you get there. Through three, 16 verse one. I'll wait on you just a second. All right, sounds like most of you are there. The preparations of the heart belong to man. Okay, so it's our job to prepare. It's our job to do. 
It's our job to act. It's our job to be. It's God's job to guide. So he says the preparations of the heart belong to man. All the ways of a man are, sorry, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. How many know that? That everybody in their own eyes thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're right in their own eyes. But we need someone to come along and say, hey, you're, you're, you just change the angle again. That, that we talked Friday morning about having a teachable spirit in discipleship. A teachable spirit. How many know we need a teachable spirit if we're going to grow in God? We need to be able to have somebody come in and not only be teachable, but want to be teached. Like actually desire it. And verse 3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Unless we connect with God's purpose for our life, we're going to be miserable. I can't say that enough. I've, I've, I've shared this before. This is the story. This is the, the truth about anybody who has ever pastored a church. Every pastor in their life has had times where they've wanted to quit the ministry. Everyone. Never met one that hasn't. And along with the pastor, the wife and the kids have wanted to quit the ministry. It's not because of God. It's not because of the kingdom of God. It's not because the call's not great. It's because of people. Anybody who's pastored has to, if, we, if a pastor could pastor the, the chairs, then pastoring would be wonderful. But people get involved and you have to lead people and so people can treat you wrong or do things wrong or stab you in the back. All the things that happen, not just in pastor, that happens in life period, but it happens in a magnified way to where you get to say, you know what, we don't want to do this no more. And so there's times in the marriage where the wife comes and says, hey, let's quit this thing. Let's just be believers. And the pastor doesn't say it, but he goes inside, he's thinking that's a good idea. But he can't say that because there's a call and a purpose. And so there have been times where my wife, and, and she wouldn't be afraid for me to say that, has come to me and said that, and I, here's my answer. I could quit the ministry if you want to be more miserable. Because at the moment when you say that, that you want to quit, you're feeling bad. You're, there's a reason why you want to quit, right? It's not like you're saying, it's not like, every, it's not like the doors are, you know, people are filing in and falling on their faces crying, and then you go, oh, I want to quit this. This is just, this is horrible. You know, people's lives are getting changed and the chairs are full and, and miracles are happening. No one quits at that moment. No one quits. You don't ever see somebody like, you know, winning championships. Like, oh, I'm tired of winning championships. I'm just going to quit, you know. No one does that. But when things get bad, it's like, man, this is miserable. And so they'll come and say, hey, let's, let's, let's just be believers. And I said, here's my answer. I can do that. But if you think I'm miserable right now, I'll really be miserable. Why? I won't be doing the purpose that God has called me for because real pastors there's a lot of people today that take pastors jobs for money take it for careers real pastors take them because of a call because they were called to do it you know we we're just talking yesterday to someone at the at the arts and jazz fest and it was beautiful weather yesterday it's beautiful weather today it's not hot you know when beautiful weather's beautiful for me when it's not hot if I say it's beautiful it's because it's not hot and I'm not sweating that's beautiful for me. It doesn't matter what temperature it is, as long as I'm not sweating. It wasn't humid yesterday. The rain came and helped us out, and it was beautiful out there. And, 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 and then I left that for a few minutes and went over with my dad and mom 
to my aunt's church and we had a family reunion. I'd never been to a family reunion. I'm 42, first family reunion. On my dad's side, so I saw all the Andrews. Got a picture of my, I need to post that today. I got a picture of my great, great, great grandpa. He's pretty cool looking. I was like putting my phone up next to him. Like, do I look like him? He has a big old mustache and looks all rugged. Got a cowboy hat on. His name's Samuel Sherfield Andrews. So we saw a lot of the family that I hadn't seen since maybe, some I'd never seen. Some I hadn't seen for a long time. And I was talking to my cousin Bubba. That's not his real name, but that's what we call him, okay? And I hadn't seen him in 15 years. Last time I saw him was out at my mamma and papa's house in Sanger. And uh, I was like, Bubba, is that you? And I went over and talked to him. And so we started talking. He goes, I, I said, where do you live now? He says, Longmont, Colorado. Here's what I said. If I had my way, that's where I'd live. What am I saying? I live in Denton, Texas because God called me to Denton, Texas. His purpose was for Denton, Texas. If I had it, when we, when we started wanting to come back and I was in, not in the prayer closet and I was in the flesh closet, I wanted to go to Colorado because I don't like hot weather. Anybody who knows me very much, if you're cold in here this morning, it's because I don't like hot weather. I would much rather it be cold and you can bring a blanket because I can't take my clothes off, amen? I gotta have clothes on. And, 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 I, and, I, and you know, I believe in dressing up for church, so this is gonna happen, amen? So it's gotta be a nice, cool climate, amen? But if you know me, I don't like hot, but God has a sense of humor because I've been in hot my entire life. Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, for 18 years, 115 degrees, Costa Rica, but then humidity is what's really bad. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I'm trying to show you that we have our own thoughts. I mean, we said, we said Wednesday night when we were talking about the storms, if we had it our way, we'd all be on a plane to some remote island right now to get away. But you can't run from your problems. My purpose is and always will be to make a difference in people's lives, and the only way I will be happy is making sure that I'm doing that. Can you say amen? Making a difference in people's lives. And once you tap into that purpose and you say, you know what? I'm not doing what God called me to do because the weather's nice. I'm not doing what God called me to do because I'm where I want to be all the time. I'm happy and fulfilled because I'm doing what Jesus wants me to do. I'm fulfilling the purpose of the Lord. And how many know that reward is going to be amazing? And whenever we start getting stupid, and yes, I can use that word, man. How many read it says Friday morning? It's in the Bible. That word stupid's in the Bible, amen? So if, whenever we get stupid, we need to go look at Nick Vujicic again and, read, and, and see his video and say, Lord, forgive me. On the way, driving somewhere the other day when I was reading that book and I was having this little, you know, we're having these problems and those problems and things that happen all the time. There's always going to be problems. I said, Lord, forgive me. I was driving in the car and I said, God, forgive me for feeling the way I feel when this guy was having windows blown up and his house blown up. God, forgive me. I did. I said, Lord, forgive me for looking at my little problems so bad. But see, that's perspective. If you're going to make it for God, you better get some perspective. You know why people come and go and are here and then aren't? Because they don't have perspective. And they think that serving God is easy. And they think that serving God, it's always good. And it's always perfect, and it's always easy. And I don't know what Bible they're reading. 
They're not reading the same Bible I am, amen? There's some tough times, but the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. Can you say amen? You're gonna have some rough roads, but when you're in the purpose of God, you're happy. So listen, write this down. Unless I connect with God's purpose for my life, I will be miserable. I can't say that word enough. I'm telling you, you cannot be happy unless you are doing God's purpose. That's true happiness. And Paul thought he was. And then he had that road to Damascus experience, and he realized, I wasn't happy. And then, you know, you, sometimes you think about the words that Jesus said. He says, why do you, uh, uh, what's, I just lost it. Uh, um, oh, Huh? Yeah, he said persecute, but then he says the other, other weird thing that's against the goads. Why do you kick against the goads? Thank you. It's a weird saying, and it does, but that, that's when you realize what it means. Why are you going against what I'm trying to get you to do? How many people are trying so hard to make the square fit in the circle? And they're calling it God. They're saying, God, you're, it's, you're telling me to do this. And God's saying, no, I'm not. If you'll grab the square and put the square in the square, it'll fit. Stop trying to put the square in the circle and be happy. You're only going to be happy when you do what I ask you to do. And listen, I'm living proof of that. I always find happiness when I know I'm in God's purpose. How many know of Dan Rather? Anchorman for many, 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 many years, decades. He had a, he had a powerful thought that I found, and I wanted to relate this. Dan Rather... I don't, I don't know his personal life. I don't know if he's ever had anything come out against him, but how many know he was, he was a good, good anchorman? Okay, he was good. Well, there's a lot of young people in here, but I know who he is. But he was a good commentator and a good anchorman. And he, so he had a way of keeping his professional edge. And this is what he would do. He said he would write down on three slips of paper, and he would look at them often. He would have one on his, on his, in his wallet, he would have one in his pocket all the time, and he would have one on his desk. So he had a piece of paper, three different places. Now, I do this personally. I don't know if anybody else does this, but, and I'm not saying it, making it a doctrine, but it's a good thing to have some things written down for you to remember. I have things posted on my desk, certain, certain verses and certain things. I have certain scriptures that with my life reminders, I should get money for, the, for pushing that thing. I should get a cut. For my life reminders app that I use, I have things that remind me. You need to do this. You need to do that. And every day I have verses that send to me automatically at a certain time and to remind me of these things. So I have things in front of me to remind me of things. And Dan rather would do that. He didn't have the cell phone like we do today. He had his wallet, in his pocket, and on his desk. And it said these words. Is what you're doing helping the broadcast? Pocket, billfold, desk. He would always pull it out, is what I'm doing right now helping the broadcast? So I want to twist that, and I want you to think, is what I'm doing right now helping the purpose of the vision of Jesus Christ? If we would think about that during the day, if we'd have it in our wallet, have it in our billfold, have it in our car somewhere, have it written down somewhere, and I'm not talking about you know, a hobby or going to, I'm not saying you can't go to the gym, I'm just saying, at all times thinking, is what I'm doing right now helping or hurting the gospel? I mean, know that'd make a big difference in our lives. 
If we were about to say something or about to do something or about to go somewhere or about even to think something that was not right, and I reminded myself, is this thought, is this action, is this word going to help further the gospel or not? It would help me think. It's a powerful thought. Here's an here's a awesome verse as I begin to close. Awesome verse. Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. Write this one down. This is probably the best verse about purpose there is. Even better than Romans 8, 28. You don't even have to look at it. Just write it down. You can look at it later. Exodus 9, 16. Here, here it is. L- listen as I read it. But indeed, for this purpose... I have raised you up. But indeed for this purpose, okay? So as you're listening, he's talking to Moses in the book of Exodus. Moses, the man of God. He says, for this reason have I raised you up. We ask God sometimes, why am I here? Nick Vujic has said it with no arms and no legs. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ had not found Nick Vujicic and he had not accepted him, he'd still be depressed. Somehow, a man with no arms and no legs found purpose because he knew Jesus loved him. And he says to Moses, but indeed for this purpose, what purpose? Have I raised you up? He says that I may show power in you. That I may show power in you. Do you realize that God wants to show his power through us? He says, I have raised you up to show my power in you. You're saying, oh, he's talking to Moses. No, he's talking to all of us. Moses, Exodus wasn't written for Moses. He's talking to Moses, but it was written for us. I've raised you up that I may show power in you, listen, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. What's my purpose? Why am I born? Why am I here? I'm born and raised up so that I would be showing God's power in my life and that I would make his name known in all the earth. And here's what you think when I say that. Nobody knows me. I'm not on YouTube. I don't, I don't, I don't ever get a microphone in front of thousands of people. How can I do that? One life at a time. One person at a time. You make a difference every day because that's the problem. It's kind of like tithing. People think, well, if I ever get a lot of money, I'll tithe. If I ever got a million dollars, I'd tithe off of it. No, you wouldn't because you don't tithe off a hundred. Now, I'm not saying anybody, I'm just saying. That person that says they'll tithe off a million, if they don't tithe off a hundred, are not going to tithe off a million. So you might say, well, if I ever got to speak to a thousand people, I would just preach the word. No, you won't because you don't talk to one. If you don't witness to one person every day, if you don't share your faith, if you don't pull out a Jesus card, if you don't give a track out, if you don't say Jesus loves you, if you don't try somehow, some way to reach one person, you're not going to tell thousands. How many are with me? But if we reverse it and we say, man, I may never reach thousands, but if I could just reach one, if I could just touch one person's life, you know, this comes back to, again, the, the multiplication of the gospel. Whenever we have an empty seat next to us, we could be thinking, I, I've got a purpose. I've got to get somebody sitting next to me. I've got to bring somebody in to this church because God said that for this purpose has he raised me up to show his power in me, that my, his name would be declared in all the earth. Amen.
God wants us to enjoy our lives. God, God doesn't say we have to be sad or baptized in lemon juice. He wants us to enjoy our lives. He wants us to be happy. But I also want you to understand the balance of the Lord is that God takes his kingdom serious. So we're always looking at the scriptures and we're finding the balance and everything. And whenever you get off, listen, how do you know when you're right when you're not in an extreme? Whenever you get off in left field or right field, something's wrong. You don't go to one extreme or the other on anything. You stay right down the middle, balanced in the word of God on everything. It's when you're, you're in danger when you go off to extremes. And trust me, over the years of 23 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of extremes. And I always try to come back to the middle and stay down the middle of the road and stay in center field and, and, and bring back into perspective, God wants me to enjoy my life, but he has to be my priority. So if I wake up on a Sunday morning and the weather's beautiful and the lake's calling, I can't say, oh God, it's so beautiful out here right now, I need to go hit the lake. No, you got a priority to be in God's house. Go to the lake after. The Lord, Sunday's the Lord's day, amen? Thank you for those few amens. That's the truth, church. We need, to be, we need to love God with all our hearts, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Oh, I love you, God, and I love you so much, I'm gonna go out and worship you on the lake. I'm not talking about a vacation. I'm talking about just waking up and saying, no, I'm not gonna go to church today, I'm gonna go to the lake. Because Jesus said in Luke 9, 60, let the dead bury the dead, but you go preach the kingdom of God. Amen? Let the dead go bury the dead, but you go preach the kingdom of God. Somebody say Amen. We got to preach the kingdom of God. Listen, we're going to have an eternity to rest. We're going to have an eternity to have fun. But I need to say, listen, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to commit to the Lord's house. I'm going to commit to the Lord's things. I'm going to commit my life unto the Lord. And I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. Amen. Luke 12. I want to read one more thing as we close. Luke chapter 12. Here's a parable. Remember, living my life with purpose. Don't know all the details. Listen, you could ask me, you could come up to me and say, hey, what's my purpose? I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know your purpose. I don't know the specifics. I don't know exactly what you're supposed to do. God will tell you that. But I can tell you the general purpose, to let people know who Jesus is, that they would want him in their life, that you'd live a life that they say, I want what that person has. That's the generality. Luke 12, verse 16 says, he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, how many know before I continue reading that that's an easy attitude to get? Anything you've ever done you can say, I've done, I've done enough. Our flesh says, I've done enough. I can take a break. But you know what happens? Our spirit kicks in and says, no, you haven't. You can do more. 
You want to know when you're really walking in the will of God? When, you're, when your spirit was, doesn't let your flesh win. When your flesh has that thought, man, I, you know, I've done good. I, I spent 20-something years in the ministry. I just, I, I, that's good enough. And the spirit says, no, no, it's not. You're just beginning. I have a whole lot of more people for you to touch. I have a whole lot of more things for you to do. You, you can't quit. Oh, I've been serving God for 15 years. I'm doing good. No, not. Your spirit says, nope. Uh-uh. I got more. I got more people. How many see what I'm saying? But the flesh says, I'm good. Now look what he says in verse 20. God says, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? What are you going to go build more barns for? Why don't you give away some of what you have? That's what he's saying. What are you going to go have another savings account for? When you don't use the savings account you got. Amen. He says, you fool. He says, so he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now that's not just talking about money. That's talking about your talents. That's talking about your life. It's talking about your time. God don't have a problem with you going on vacation. God don't have a problem with you taking a break. But you better be talking about Jesus on your vacation. You better be talking about Jesus on your break. You take a break from life, but you don't take a break from God. Amen. And I'll just throw this in. Don't, pay, don't use your tithes to go on vacation either. Amen. That's God's money. There's a priority in my life. I, I understand that God has blessed me with things, but God always gets his. Always. God always gets his. Musicians, you can come this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge you. That's a, that's a powerful word. I charge you, therefore, before God and Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, to do this. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Amen. Always preach the word. What's my purpose? To tell others about Jesus. If you're not telling people about Jesus, you're not fulfilling God's purpose. Just because you come to church, just because you pray, just because you read the Bible, those are all great things. But you're just digging holes and filling them back up again. And digging holes and filling them back up again. You need to dig to find people. You need to dig to find people. When you dig, you're trying to get out of the word. How can I be a better soul winner? Doesn't Proverbs 11 say, he who wins souls is wise? Doesn't Jesus say in the Great Commission, go and preach the gospel? Isn't it always been a go thing? It doesn't matter, church, if we have five or 5,000, the vision will not change. Go and preach the gospel. The purpose will not change. In this building or another building, bigger or smaller, doesn't matter how many people show up this morning in Carrollton. The gospel is preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who wins souls is wise. What is my purpose? To tell people about Jesus. To know him and to make him known. That's my purpose. 
And I'll read this verse one more time. But indeed for this purpose have I raised you up. What purpose? That I may show my power in you. That I may show my power in you. None of us are being used the way God wants to use us. None of us. All of us have such a potential and such a power in us, but we're not tapping into it fully. Never. We're never we never do. But we have to try. And even when we try, we're still not doing everything we can. There's always something more we can do. But I say, God, my purpose is to let people know about you and make you known, he says, and know my that my name may be declared in all the earth. You know, when people walk away from you, they should know that Jesus was the center of your conversation. When people walk away from you, they should say, man, there's something different about that person. That should be our desire. There's something different about that person. How many, how many want to walk away from people and have them say, man, I'm, I'm different because I was in their presence? And it won't be because of us, it'll be because of the Jesus in us. The difference that we can make that someone would say, there's something that you have that I don't have. What is it? And you, you could go home that night and you could have been all kinds of struggles, but you can lay down and say, man, I have fulfilled my purpose today because I have made Jesus known. I have made Jesus known. I have, I have let his power come through me this morning. Father, we have purpose. A powerful purpose. If we would ever tap into that purpose, oh my God, you would do such amazing things in us. If we would just believe that you have called us with a purpose, that your ways are not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, that your ways are higher than our, our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Lord, you're bigger than anything we're going through this morning. Father, help every person here individually. God, if one person got this this morning, they can make a difference. They can change the world. One person. But I believe more than one person is grabbing this. And saying, God, fulfill your purpose in me. Just like Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven.